Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Influence Accelerator Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates. In each episode, I interview one of the financial service industry's top performers to learn their secrets to sustain success. These short interviews will get right to the heart of what each top advisor is doing to acquire more right fit clients. You'll be reminded, renewed, and inspired to take powerful action. You'll impact more lives and increase your income at the same time. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, where I usually interview top advisors for top advisors. And I say usually because today's show is going to be just a little bit different. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Mark Williams, the president and CEO of Brokers International. The reason I want to interview Mark is because it's rare to encounter an industry executive who has Mark's breadth and depth of experience across pretty much every aspect of the industry. Mark's been a captive insurance agent. He's been a stockbroker. Well, you don't hear that, hear that term much anymore. He's been an independent advisor and now the leader of a very large, successful FMO. Uh, Mark has a proven track record of driving transformation in our industry, having helped transform companies such as Allianz and the Hartford. He's the author of the book, Lead, Don't Manage, 12 Lessons in Creating a Leadership Culture Based on Core Values. Uh, Mark is currently focused really on the future of financial services, uh, from the disruption of robo-advisors and insure tech to the changing demographics and needs of clients. So as a president and CEO of Brokers International, one of the industry's largest field marketing organizations, Mark is a perfect, in a perfect position to see what other advisors are doing, you know, how they're, what, what's working for them, what their challenges are. Uh, and he, you know, he's, he's seen it all pretty much. So, uh, by the way, uh, Mark and I are part of a very high content webinar series taking place in 2022, uh, to learn more and to register for these valuable sessions, just go to salesbuilderwebinarseries.com. That's salesbuilderwebinarseries.com. So with, after all that, Mark Williams, welcome to top advisor podcast. Thanks, Bill. Super, super, super excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. I've been looking forward to this. So when we were preparing for this interview, you told me about a conversation that you had with your father years ago. Uh, I think that speaks to one of the most prevalent challenges that financial professionals face at, at some point in their career, uh, a challenge that I have dedicated my business life to for 30 years. So why don't we start off with that story and, and we'll go from there. Sure. So for a little background, my father is 80 years old and has been a lifelong uh, insurance agent, independent insurance agent. And at the age when I was 16, I vividly remember uh, an afternoon where my father had taken me to a baseball game. And as we were sitting watching the game, we, we were talking about business and how we got into the business. And so I said, Dad, what's the toughest part about your business, being an insurance agent? And he looked at me and he said, one of the reasons why I got into the business is because I can help everyone. He said, take a look around. There's 40, 50,000 people here in the stadium. I can help everyone with something. Health insurance, life insurance, dental insurance, saving for college, uh, retirement. And I said, that's amazing. So what's the hardest part of the job? And he laughed and he said, finding someone to speak to. <laughs> I'll never forget that because literally we're sitting with 60,000 people. He said he could help everyone. And yet the toughest part of the job is exactly that. And interestingly enough, in my career over the last 30 years, whenever I stand in front of a group of uh, financial planners, agents, 
The number one question I ask is what's the toughest part of the job? And 99% of the time, that's the answer. Finding enough prospects to speak to. Yeah. Finding enough and enough of the right people, especially as one matures in this business. So I guess your dad didn't buy beers all around for the section and then say, uh, you know, let me talk to you about insurance, right? <laughs> he kept uh, definitely not. Although he was, uh, there, he's a gentleman that uh, the phrase never met a stranger. Um, uh, that was my dad. Um, he could walk into a room of a hundred people and walk out knowing probably 85 or 90 of them. Uh, that's great. Probably a very likable guy. So, you know, the, the gist of our interview today is going to be about what's working, what's not working, what you see from your perspective. Uh, so let's, let's start with the challenges. Uh, I know that you, you know, you, you talk to really hundreds of, well, definitely hundreds, if not more, uh, advisors every year, uh, recruiting them for Brokers International, generally coaching and, and mentoring folks at all levels of success. Sir, uh, what are the top three or so challenges that you seem to see most advisors, agents facing these days? You bet. I would start with the number one biggest challenge for probably for any business owner, but specifically today for independent financial uh, professionals is prospecting. Mm-hmm. Getting in front of more people, you know, I, I, I entered into the business in the days of cold calling. Uh, you had a phone, you got the lead book, which was the white pages, and you went to work. Today, I would argue that cold calling is dead. Um, in fact, I would say that social media, such as like LinkedIn, is the new cold call. Mm. So I, I think the biggest challenge is how do you advertise? Where do you advertise? How do you maximize your referral opportunities? How do you maximize meeting people in a world where picking up the phone and just saying hello isn't possible? So I think that's the number one uh, challenge for most financial professionals. But I would well, also say, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Bill. Well, I, I, I was going to say, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, LinkedIn is the new cold calling. And it's funny, uh, I joke with folks and they often say, can you help me with LinkedIn? I said, well, you know, I think the only people out there making money with LinkedIn are people that say they can teach you how to make money with LinkedIn. Uh, and I know there's some exceptions to that, but tell me what, why do you call LinkedIn uh, the new cold calling? What are you seeing that people seem to be doing wrong uh, in that arena? Yeah, great question. So uh, because of my title, I'm convinced because of my title, I probably receive anywhere between 15 and 30 in-mail messages or LinkedIn you know, messages, um, and they all start the same way. They'd love to meet with me. Mm. No one's ever asking about me. Um, they personalize these messages, but they don't know me. They immediately assume they understand the business that I'm in or the space that I'm in or say they've worked in the space that I'm in. Uh, but there, no one's actually asking what I want. So I think the first challenge is creating a message that makes sense, that resonates with your audience, um, that someone will open. And if you don't know me, and the first thing you want to do is sell me, I'm probably not interested. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges with LinkedIn is that's the first point of contact. And I'm receiving so many of them. And the messages are, are, are what I would consider disingenuous. So you said 15 to 30 is a message. Is that a day, a week? That's a day, wow. without a doubt, a day. Wow. Um, and unfortunately, the majority of them I won't read or I won't respond to. And then you have the challenge of knowing which ones are actually real people sending me a message mm-hmm. as opposed to just an automated reply through a bot. Yeah, it's true. And um, I know that LinkedIn keeps trying to close those bots down. So by the way, anybody using a LinkedIn bot, you know, to reach lots of people, uh, you're in peril to get your account closed down. I know people it's happened to, 
Uh, so just be careful about that. Plus, it defeats the whole purpose of what we're trying to do, which is it's it. It's not a numbers game. It's it's a relationship game. Yeah, numbers are part of it. So, I, you know, I, I, let's just stay on LinkedIn a little bit longer because I know this is interesting to a lot of people. And since you're a successful person, you know, one could say a candidate, the type of person that advisors and agents would love to meet, uh, even though you probably have that part of your life covered. In any event, <laughs> what do they need to do to capture your attention? Because we, I found that if, if you even if it even smacks of any kind of salesy or promotion, or even if you ask a question that feels too intrusive from a stranger, people will shut down. So it's, it's, it seems to me a very delicate balance. You bet. I would agree. I think people are starved for education today. Education, mm -hmm. and I, I would also submit maybe a little focus. Um, it, getting information isn't a problem. Um, deciphering what information is valuable to me, I think is the bigger issue. So I want to be taught something. Provide me a nugget of information that's important to me. Um, provide content um, where I can learn something. And then if I have a question, an easy way or path to get that answer, uh, to get the answer to my question. Yeah. So um, I, I, a small example, I recently put in a pool. I don't know anything about pools, nothing. And so when I went out to the internet to research pools, I was provided so much information about pools. I now needed someone to help me determine throughout all that information what to do with that information. So I turned to a pool service. Pool service I didn't know. Um, they provided me an education. One of their websites was fantastic. And so I replied to them. Provide information, a tidbit of knowledge or something that could possibly pertain to me. It's easy to see what I'm interested in, especially from my social accounts. Mm -hmm. I post quite a bit on LinkedIn, so respond to something that I've posted. Provide me an opportunity to respond to your response. Make it a little more personal. Mm -hmm. Again, we're all seeking information, but there's so much information today that some of us now need a little focus in deciphering the answer through all that information. It's true. It's, it, you know, with my material, with everything, it's all out there. One can access it. But how do we know what's relevant to us? How do we decipher, discern what, what we need to talk, uh, think about and pay attention to? Uh, absolutely. So I, I'd like to get your reaction to this. I wrote a, a blog not too long ago about the difference between what I'll call prospecting and marketing. In other words, most financial professionals are taught how to prospect. Maybe initially they get tossed into a room with a phone book and say, here, call, you know, uh, cold calling and, and leads, right? The company may provide some leads in some form or another. So they get taught how to prospect those. You know, my, my big thing for every has been referrals. I'd say asking for referrals is a form of prospecting, I'd say a little higher level in the sense, uh, yeah. nonetheless, versus marketing versus attracting people to you. Um, have you noticed a difference? Do you notice what, you know, what people are doing marketing wise? You mentioned advertising. That would be a form of, of marketing because it's designed to pull people to us. You, Any you thoughts bet. on that? Yeah, you bet. Biggest difference between marketing and branding. If no. I were to ask most financial professionals, if they have a brand, they'll tell me no. And unfortunately we all have a brand and the, and the way I describe your brand is what people say about you behind your back, right? When you're not in the room. That's truly your brand. And we all have one. Um, and I always give this analogy when you're a kid and you go trick or treating. Every kid knows the house on the, the house on the block that gives out the worst candy and the house that gives out the best candy. 
That's right. If you ever got raisins or dimes, you, everyone knew that house because that was their brand. (laughs) Well, if you want to know your brand, ask your friends and your family who will be honest with you, what kind of person are you? That's your brand. Mm. And marketing is brand recognition. Mm. How do you, how do you constantly make sure people are aware of you? Prospecting is looking for a customer. So we're all familiar with Target, for example, because we see it everywhere. And that's brand recognition. That comes through marketing. And when I want something, I think of Target. And so I go to Target. Target doesn't have to call me to come. Mm. Some of the best branding in the industry could be and, and has been for years, obviously, radio shows or podcasts like your own. Um, something that's recurring on a regular basis that I can tune in or not tune in. Traditional advertising is not dead. Billboards, for example, or, or uh, you know, signs on buses. Those types of brand recognition still do work. I would even submit that direct mail marketing to some extent still works. Those are branding or marketing efforts where people recognize you and then end up calling you as opposed to prospecting. Uh, closed access, t- you know, cable TV, local ca- uh, cable TV stations. Many people are doing it on internet radio. There are ways to advertise at the gas station, you know, the signs at the gas station. There are still traditional ways to market your brand and get brand recognition as opposed to just prospecting. And and many producers are doing it very well. Yeah, and I I had the honor of uh, speaking at, you know, a conference uh, where um, everybody, all the advisors there had a radio show and uh, it was it was pretty cool. I had a great conversation because they had people, they were attracting people to them. I found that when it comes to the branding and the marketing, the more narrow, the better, the more targeted you are because your messaging is going to be more relevant to whomever you're targeting. So I know I interrupted you a while back. Uh, We're talking about the the top challenges. Uh, Let me uh, put it back in in your court. What, What other challenges are you seeing? So uh, we talked a little bit about prospecting. Fantastic, right? So those are some of the, the, probably the number one challenge. But number two, I would say is remaining relevant to your existing customers Mm. and meeting with them as often as you can. Okay. There's a phenomenon in this business, which I think leads to number three, the biggest challenge is creating a book of business, not a book of sales. Mm. So number two and number three are very relevant. And in today's world, how you communicate with your existing customers is equally as important, in my opinion, as prospecting. Your existing customers are being bombarded with the same messages we were just talking about. So how do you make sure that your your name, your brand, what your service stays in front of your customers? So again, I, I would say how you're communicating with your customers on a regular basis. Do you send them mail? Do you send them email? Are, you, are they connected with you on LinkedIn and Facebook? Do you do any kind of content marketing where you're providing them articles of relevance to their own, to their own situations? Um, I have a great property and casualty agent that sends me articles about my neighborhood home values or used car prices, or things like that that are very relevant to me. Uh, We had a house that uh, caught on fire recently in my neighborhood, and my property and casualty agent sent me, sent everyone in the neighborhood an article on the frequency of home fires, the most common causes of home fires. What was interesting was it's relevant information. It was on our mind, and the mailer was very timely. Mm -hmm. That kind of communication with your existing customers 
letting them know that you're available and how you're available, whether that's on, you know, via phone or social media or digital means or brick and mortar, those things are important to create a book of business. And that's an existing customer that purchases time and time again, as opposed to a book of sales where you buy once and you never have a relationship with that customer. And I think those are the three biggest challenges uh, for most small businesses, but specifically in our financial services uh, arena. You know, I, I uh, was on a coaching call yesterday with a group. Uh, and one of the things that we do uh, is talk about the client service model, the client service plan, if you will, that's in place, the, the checklist, the plan that's built into the computer so you don't forget about it where you're, and your assistants help you making sure that there's a model that you're following for staying in touch with your clients and not winging it. And it surprised me. There's probably about 12 people on this call, pretty successful folks. They've been in the business for a while and only about half of them actually had a specific model they followed. They all, uh, or six at least, acknowledged they had a lot of work to do in that arena of, of having that. So I know from my own experience, uh, working with several financial advisors over the years, I can tell if someone has a plan and they're following it, or I can tell when they're winging it when it comes to staying in touch with me. Uh, my current advisor, for example, when we have a review meeting, uh, he will schedule the next review meeting at that review meeting. You and bet. so now I don't have to wonder, worry, you know, when's going to be our next meeting? When am I going to hear from him? Which happened with the previous advisor. Uh, I know it's there because it's it's part of the plan. It's part of the process. So, uh, you know, also, I would I would I, I'm curious about your reaction on this uh, and what you've seen with other advisors. Uh, and I'm going to go back to an old story uh, This guy, Doug, that I, I talked to years and years ago when we used to have uh, newsletters that went out in the mail. Right. And uh, everyone went to email. And actually, some people are going back to mailing uh, newsletters in the mail because they find they get opened and read more. And so anyway, he had a section in his newsletter that was about him, his family, his dog, his kids, the vacation. And he decided to take that part out and put something around the market or whatever in there. The first issue that went out, he started getting calls and they said, Doug, where's that part about your family? It's the only part we read. So, you know, that that personal connection that we make with our clients and not just the value and the value added and all that, which is critically important, of course, but it's also the personal connection. Are, are you, what do you see in that arena? Are you seeing folks doing that and the ones doing that doing well, et cetera? I'm curious. You bet. Um, I can't echo your comments enough on how important it is today. Um, I'll use the corporate term transparency, although I hate that word. Um, people want to connect with a person. They don't want to connect with a machine. They don't want to connect with, they don't want to feel like um, you go to the doctor and you wait 40 minutes and he spends two minutes with you and then leaves because he's got 13 other patients. Right? No one wants to feel like the, the like I checked off a box. Um, the, an, the old annual review or I'm doing business with, with, with just anyone, that personal connection, um, sharing something about yourself, maybe even some of your vulnerabilities. Oh, my, my son graduated college and now I feel a little down that he's gone or um, took the family on vacation and we missed our flight. It's those kind of things that make us human, that mm -hmm. people resonate with, that people connect with. That uh, Listen, finding someone to, to provide you solutions to your financial services needs is easy. 
Finding someone you connect with and you feel comfortable with and you're willing to share that information with is a little more difficult. And that's what ties people together. And if you look at certain industries, um, which is uh, take real estate agents as a great example. You can almost look about 15 or 20 years ago when the uh, when we all of a sudden saw pictures of real estate agents everywhere. Mm. Right. The, the actual picture was on the bus stop. The picture was on the on the billboard, uh, their their picture, as opposed to just their logo or their name. That trend is a good trend. We wanted to get more personal. So, yeah, I 100 percent agree that the more you can share about you, about your family, make a connection with your customer about something, not business will bring that person closer together. Mm. And the way you communicate with them. The story I use is we all have that family member that we speak to once or twice a year or even longer than that. And the longer that time goes without speaking to them, the more uncomfortable that situation becomes. That's true with your customers as well. Mm-hmm. So if you if I purchase something from you and now you don't send me anything or talk to me for months and months or years, and then you pick up the phone, I really don't have a relationship. And so if you think about that as you're doing your daily business, stay connected and people will people will want to reach out. Yeah, I get that question a lot, actually, from folks I'm working with where, Bill, I have these people I haven't reached out to in a long time. You know, how, how do I go back to them? How do I talk to them at all, let alone mention referrals or introductions? And usually uh, you go back and you do a little mea culpa. You know, it's a little bit you know, I, I, I apologize for not staying in touch with you the way I intended. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make amends and we're going to do a better job moving forward and yada, yada. So people appreciate that, that a little bit of vulnerability and they may be nodding. Yeah. I kind of did expect to hear from you. And, but, I, 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 you and I'm glad you mentioned that that exact sentence is what I tell 99% of the producers that I talk to. Hmm. It's okay to say, Hey, I really need to apologize. We did some business a few years ago. I really haven't kept up, but my practice has changed and I'd love to share with you what we're doing today. It's a great way to get back in, number one, just back in front of your your existing customer, but more importantly, they'll understand time got away, happens to us all. Fall on the sword and most likely you'll save that relationship. So at the at the top of the show, I mentioned that Mark and I are being are the main presenters uh, program that Brokers International is uh, putting together. It's called the Brokers International 2022 Sales Builder Webinar Series. That's a mouthful. 2022 Sales Builder Webinar Series. Uh, we're going to be covering a wide range of topics uh, designed to help you serve your clients more completely, uh, to attract more right fit clients, which is going to be mine my main thrust. Uh, you can learn more about the series uh, of these monthly webinars going to salesbuilderwebinarseries.com. Again, salesbuilderwebinarseries.com. So we've covered some of the challenges that many financial professionals are facing. In a minute, I want to shift gears and discuss some of the things you see advisors, agents doing well, some best practices for capturing some of the great opportunities when we enhance our client engagement. Uh, but first, let's hear a quick word from our great sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. If you're like our clients, you want to spend more time educating people and less time selling. That's why we turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. We help you amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more. 
By the way, I offer listeners of Top Advisor Podcast quite a few resources, all geared to help you multiply your best clients. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. That's referralcoach.com forward slash resources, where uh, you, know, you can sign in for our weekly tips. There's uh, best practices, there's scripts, there's video, audio, and we'll certainly notify you when each new podcast becomes available. Again, with me today is Mark Williams, president and CEO of Brokers International, one of the industry's largest field marketing organizations. And we've been discussing some of the challenges financial professionals face. As promised, let's turn our attention to the opportunities, the best practices and innovative things that, that you see advisors, agents doing to keep their business growing. So uh, in terms of what's working, uh, where would you like to start? Yeah, so I'll start with um, a buzzword that we've heard in the industry for the last couple of years, but I think it's working, which is holistic planning. Holistic financial planning is really a top-down approach to planning. It focuses uh, on a customer's big picture goals and values rather than, hey, I'm going to sell you a life insurance policy for, uh, God forbid, you don't make it home. right? So instead of choosing a silo and working from that specific angle, um, it's much like holistic medicine where I'm gonna talk about everything with you, how, um, your flexibility, um, let's talk about your diet, all of those things which make up your mental, which make up your physical picture, your goals, your values, your experience with money. Let's talk a little bit about the foundation that you have and look at the entire picture that you have, not necessarily a specific need. And there are more and more producers doing that. And I think it's making better, stickier clients. It's providing better solutions. And it's including more of the family members within the fam within the, the planning process, which much to our point earlier, is kind of a built-in referral system. So it, I think that that's a wonderful trend, number one. I think it's great for uh, the financial professional um, to create much more longstanding relationships with their customers. And I think it creates better solutions for the customer. So holistic planning definitely, I believe, is one of, uh, one of the main topics that we're seeing. You know, I've seen some advisors do that where they talk about, let's say I, uh, in one of my past podcasts, uh, Brian Sweet runs many of his clients through what he calls a dream board where all aspects of their life, what are they trying to accomplish? And not just, well, now money intersects all aspects of one's life. So there's always a, a money component to it, but he makes it much more than that. And my podcast uh, interview with Lester Matlock is, is a great example of how he's broadening the work he does for his clients by helping them uh, accomplish items on their bucket list. Uh, I really recommend that people listen to that. It's a, it's a great interview. So, all right, so being more holistic, I mean, it makes sense, does it not? Be because money intersects all aspects of one's life, that if, if you're a financial professional and you want to help a client in as many, well, and, and you get to know your client, in a lot of different areas, the more context you have, then the better you can help them, right? Even just with you, the financial you, part. You bet. And I'll give uh, I'll give your listeners um, a, a great a great tip. There's a producer I do business with named John out of Indiana. Mm -hmm. He does what's called a beneficiary workshop, mm. and it's really fantastic. It's for his existing customers. And the way he positions this is that there are rights and responsibilities of being a beneficiary. So not just being named on a document. Um, and he actually invites his clients' beneficiaries to this workshop, which is done both virtually and in person. And he talks about what happens when, 
What happens when you do receive life insurance proceeds from a death, God forbid, or you are a beneficiary on, a, on, a, on some type of policy? What are your rights and responsibilities? It's a wonderful workshop, number one, because it provides really valuable information, but more importantly, he's extending his reach referral-wise to a group of people he may never meet. He's not selling them anything. He's providing them an education and creating a stickier client and possibly finding new customers within that same workshop. It's a fantastic way to, again, do some more holistic planning and extend your reach in a very non-threatening way. I love it. I'll have to get uh, John on uh, for an interview here. I, I love it. Uh, so let's let's we got time for one a uh, couple more uh, best practice. What else are you seeing out there that's working? Sure. Um, I think people are starting to broaden their product offering. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, if you're in the senior market and you sell life insurance and annuities, for example, we see many producers uh, branching out into senior health products. Maybe it's Medicare supplement or Medicare Advantage, or it's um, simplifier guarantee issue products for seniors, um, final expense products. So expanding the arrows in your quiver, so to speak, so that you can take care of more of your customers' needs. I think that's a relatively easy one um, because if you don't wanna sell those products specifically, you can always partner with a financial professional. So expanding your reach and making sure that your customers know that you provide more than just one or two limited set of solutions can really broaden your practice. So we see that quite a bit as well. Yeah, makes sense. And I'll tack on a third one is becoming an actual money manager or doing uh, uh, assets under management. So becoming a registered investment advisor or an investment advisor uh, representative. So not only now can you take care of insurance needs, you can do some money management as well, because today professional money management is now accessible for most people, not just really wealthy. So that can help expand your practice as well. Yeah, and it really is just, uh, and that that goes all feeds under the holistic side of things, does it not? It's it's taking a look at the whole person, the whole family, knowing money intersects all aspects of the life. How do we serve them in, in those areas? And it may be us specifically, or it may be someone we partner with for certain parts of it, but nonetheless, bringing that that full array of, uh, of ways to serve our clients. You bet. The final one, I did, I did want to mention this. There Please. are, you know, we've talked about marketing and I, I, I really challenge financial professionals uh, to seek ways of doing marketing uh, that, that might not cost as much as you think. So there are ways to market your brand without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'll give you two uh, real quick ideas. Uh, there's a producer here in Georgia that I work with that does dinner parties. He invites two or three couples Um, over for a dinner and asks them to invite two or three couples. So it's a relatively small gathering in their producer's home. So once again, it's personal. Um, It's it's being a little vulnerable by inviting clients to your house. And it's really an evening of of like cooking or or, uh, wine and cheese. And it's an open forum to discuss any financial topics in a very non-threatening way. He has built his entire business on dinner parties. They cost him between $200 and $400 for the food and the wine and cheese and things that he does. So relatively small cost. Um, And he's really built a really incredibly successful practice on a relatively low investment in marketing dollars. So I wanted to give that idea. And finally, uh, another idea that I have a producer out in Connecticut that does quite a bit. He teams up with local photographers and he offers photo shoots 
for either children, grandparents, or pets. He <laughs> offers uh, for free photos so people can bring uh, their family members or their pets for, to, for a photo shoot, get a free photo. And uh, he, um, again, partners with a, with a relatively young or new professional trying to expand their practice. Mm -hmm. So he's partnered with a professional who's trying to get referrals for their business. He's offering a service and he's doing it at his office or at a location where people can ask him what he does. It's a relatively mm -hmm. low cost event and he's providing a service and he gets his name out there. So there are ways to market if you're creative that don't cost thousands of dollars. And I love to see that because in today's world, that's the business that will succeed. Yeah, I'll, I'll add one thing to that is sometimes your clients have businesses or access to venues that you might not have. So for instance, I've seen advisors where a client owns a spa or a fitness uh, club and they, you know, after hours, they'll do an event there. It exposes people to their business and then they get this venue uh, for no charge, uh, and, and it can be unique and different. And, and that's usually what will attract people when sometimes when you have a venue that they might not normally have access to. 100% agree. Bill, if you don't mind, I'd love to turn the tables a little bit and ask you a question if you're willing to, to field one for me. Okay. I'm getting nervous. Go ahead. <laughs> In your book, Radical Relevance, which I loved, by the way, you have a chapter on what makes you different. Mm -hmm. So, I'm on your podcast. I love it. Um, what makes you and your podcast different? Uh, great question. So uh, a few things. One of the things that I wanted to do with my podcast is, and I, you heard at the beginning of this, I interviewing top advisors for top advisors. So I've intentionally made uh, the focus of this podcast for high level folks, advisors, agents who are already doing well and want to do better. It's not for the new folks. It's not for people just getting started. Well, those people can benefit, certainly rising tide lifts all boats, right? But it really is for top folks. So I'm always seeking top folks like yourself who have a wealth of experience and success under their belt. So their context is a little bit higher level. So that's one thing. And then pretty much everything we focus on is under the umbrella of relationship marketing client acquisition, client engagement, uh, all the different things where relationships help us attract more clients. So it's not really about products. It's not about anything else other than how do we increase engagement with our clients and then leverage that great engagement to help our clients uh, or, her, or our clients help us meet new people. In fact, uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I want to mention one of the interviews, a uh, podcast I did with Randy Carver, uh, I urge the listeners to go back and check that one out because he talks about how you can get your clients marketing for you, right? How do you bring the kind of experience and service and relationship creation to your, your clients, your book of business in such a way where they become the advocates and they're bringing people to you and what does it cost for that? Not a lot. Uh, so your, 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 your marketing budget, if you will, is really in your client engagement. So you keep people and then you attract people that way. So I was a little tangent, but it's all the relationship. Everything we do is about the relationship. So that's what makes us a little bit different than some of the other podcasts out there. Fantastic. Um, second question, and I'll, oh. I'll, preface, I'll preface this by saying um, I have a habit and that is to rummage through my junk mail. 
And I'm always amazed and I keep the pieces that I actually open. Mm. I get probably six or seven pieces a day, as do most people. And I'm always surprised and usually very intrigued as to what got me to open that certain piece mm-hmm. because I get so many. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know from you, you know, you're, you're in marketing and branding. Describe for me an advertisement or a call to action that actually moved you to take action and explain what, you know, what compelled you to do that. Yeah. Well, taking a page, if you will, or a chapter from my book, Radical Relevance, it's all about relevance. It's all about a message that I can see myself in, right? When, when we reach out to prospects, clients, however we do it, whatever, whether it's direct mail or you know LinkedIn, as we talked about earlier, et cetera, it's got to be relevant. And so radical relevance is getting to know your clients, your prospects, the industry, your target market so well that all of your messaging is is perfectly relevant. So they see themselves in how you're describing what you do. So uh, back to your original question, what gets me to respond? And I I remember one specifically that happened um, last week where someone sent me an email and they said they listened to a podcast. They mentioned the guest's name, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I think everything after that was copy and paste. (laughs) I think that they personalized the first line, but because they took the time to do that, they, they got a little bit of my time. And I said, well, tell me more about what you do. Let me see if it, you know, makes sense for us to have a conversation. So whenever someone takes the time to demonstrate that they know a little something about me, I, I will reciprocate and give, and they've earned a little bit of my time. And so that's what it takes. If the message is generic in any way, or if they say, say things like business like yours, but don't demonstrate that they really have any idea of what my business is, <laughs> um, right? I, had, I got a call from a guy and I don't usually pick up my phone. My assistant usually does, uh, but she wasn't in and I decided to pick it up and and this guy starts talking to me about his service and, and, and he started making all these assumptions. I yep. said, how do you know that's an issue for me? Well, I see that you have this and this. Well, yeah, but that's not true. Oh, okay. You know, it's like, so we can assume a certain amount based on what we know. And then we, then we got to be careful about that and then ask a question. So what I like to do, by the way, is when I make an assumption about someone based on the industry, their status in the industry, et cetera. I'll say that I found that many executives like yourself tell me that this is one of their biggest issues, right? Is that true for you? Are you experiencing the same? So what that does is it shows, it demonstrates that I have some knowledge of their industry. And even if you're not facing that issue, you know that others are, right? So it still shows that I know but I'm also not assuming too much. I'm not coming in there to say, I can fix this problem that I know you have. I suspect you might have that issue, but I don't know for sure. And so it actually accomplishes both. It allows us to demonstrate that we have some awareness, some knowledge. Uh, It's relevant to whoever we're reaching out to, but we're not too assumptive to the point where we're alienating someone at the same time. Uh, So Mark, I have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Uh, but uh, so f- first, I want you to think back uh, over the last 12 months or so. 
And, you know, what have you learned about this business? What have you learned about yourself? Meaning, how has Mark Williams grown over the last year? Great question. So probably the number one answer, which we hear quite a bit, is just resiliency and flexibility. We have been faced with, um, and again, I'll use the cliche, unprecedented times, but um, how amazingly the business went from being face-to-face to to accommodating digital means such as this, uh, right? Literally overnight, the industry allowed consumer and producer visits electronically. Electronic applications took a huge leap forward. So I think just uh, the nature of the business is very resilient. Um, it's flexible. It's here to stay. Um, and I think we've seen more and more of that over the last 18 to 24 months than I've seen in my career throughout the industry. Um, we really have made it um, more accessible uh, for, the, for the consumer, a little easier to do business for the producer. Um, and all of that, I think, is fantastic. And we've really seen that over the last 12 or 18 months. Yeah. So um, you've, you've kind of led into this next question already a bit, I guess. Is, and that is, what are you know, as president and CEO of Brokers International, where uh, you talk to producers, advisors, agents of, of all different levels, what are you most optimistic about moving forward in 2022 and beyond? I love this business first and foremost. Um, I am super optimistic about this business. I don't think there's ever been a better time to be in this business, quite frankly. We are, uh, as, as if you just look at all of the uh, demographics, socioeconomics, we're getting older and living a little bit longer. We're unfortunately not very good savers. Um, we, as an as a entire community or country, uh, we, we're, we're not savers and we don't really have a good plan for retirement and we have a lot of debt. Mm. Um, so those those forces all together, which don't seem that positive, really shed a great light on the solutions that we provide as an industry. Um, more and more people are becoming 65. Again, we're living a little bit longer. We're going to have to work to pay off our debt. Um, and we're just we're healthier and living longer. So we're going to work longer. All of those trends, socioeconomic and demographic, are leading to the solutions that the insurance industry has to provide. So I'm extremely bullish on the industry. Um, I think it's a great time to be in the industry. And I think if you're a really good, uh, honest planner who has integrity and does the right thing, you have a really, really, really good uh, future in the business. No no question. Uh, My guest today, Mark Williams, president and CEO of Brokers International. Uh, Mark, thanks for being our guest today on Top Advisor Podcast. Bill, this was fantastic. Really fun. And thanks for the invite. Yeah, you bet. So if you haven't already, had, uh, make sure you head over to referralcoach.com uh, forward slash resources to sign up for our weekly tips uh, where you can access a ton of free guides, scripts, videos, audios, you name it. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. This is Bill Cates, and you've been listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, sponsored by Proudmouth. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss the latest show, and feel free to share this and other episodes with your colleagues. And if you want to learn more about the work I do with other top advisors, just go to referralcoach.com.